Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United. If God's been good to you right now, give him all that he deserves. Do you know that I get reports about you? I do. It's just one of those parts of being a pastor that is sometimes so joyful and wonderful and sometimes so enormously painful. But I get reports about you. I get reports about you individually, and I get reports about you corporately. And so I know that so many of you are wondering, has he gotten a report about me? You know, like, I want to ask you, if I got a report about you, what would it be? Would, would, would it be a report about you that's, that just brings my heart joy um, as an individual? Um, or would it be a report that, that breaks my heart? Um, if I get a report about you as a body, as a congregation, as a people, would it be a report that just makes me so thankful to be your pastor? Or would it be a report that would break my heart and make me feel like I've failed as a pastor? Well, that's a little bit of where Paul was in everybody that he communicated with. He wrote um, much of the New Testament as letters to different communities. The letter we're in today is from the book of Philippians, which means he was writing to the church at Philippi. And he was in prison at the time. And as he wrote to them, we're going to be in chapter 1. Start, we're going to start in verse 3. But Paul basically is greeting this group of people. He has heard reports about them. And he knows that in the future he'll hear reports about them. And he has this desire. He has this deep love and this deep desire for them that the reports that he hears about them not just individually, but the reports he hears about them as a whole, that those reports will be the kind of reports that would bless his heart. And so I want to share with you um, what Paul wrote to them because it is so much what my heart is for you as your pastor. And having all of us together in one place is really, really cool to be able to share this with you. But in starting in verse 3, here's what Paul writes to these people at Philippi. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes to G- through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Starting in the next verse, he goes on to say from that point, verse 12 uh, through verse 30, he says, look, 
Even though I'm in prison, he's in prison as he's writing this. He says, I know that God's using everything for his glory and advancing the gospel. And he says, and I don't care whether I die or live. As a matter of fact, it would be better for me to die and go be with Jesus. In verse 21, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'd like to go be with Jesus, but I feel like I need to stay here to help you guys because here's my heart's desire, he's saying. My heart's desire is that no matter what happens, you will live a life worthy of of the gospel. So whether I come to you or whether I only hear about you in my absence, that I can know that you're standing firm in the one spirit and that you are striving as one for the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His whole picture is this. I just want to see you guys glorifying God. I want to see you pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want the reports I hear about you and what I see in you, I want it to just bring joy to my heart because I'm seeing that you're glorifying God in your lives. That's what I want. But moreover, I want to see you guys be in a place where you are united as one. So in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He's saying, man, you want to make me happy, love each other. I want to see you loving each other. So I, I not only want to see you glorifying God in your lives individually, And corporately, I want to see you loving each other. That will bring my heart joy. You know why it brought Paul's heart joy? Because that's what brings the heart of God joy is when he sees you loving each other. Now, how many of you come from families with more than one kid in them? Anybody here? All right. All right. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. How many of you have had parents? All right. All right. So, So we all, here's the thing about a parent. I'll just tell you a truth about parents. Is that for my kids to love me, it really means a lot. But it comes nowhere close to how much it means for me when my kids love each other. If you want to make my joy complete, watch my kids love each other. I remember being together one time for a Thanksgiving event. And as we were there for the Thanksgiving event, it happened that all of our children were sitting at the same table with some of their cousins. And they were over there laughing and, and they were loving each other. And it, it was, I just felt like I can die and go to heaven as long as I can look in and see my children loving each other and seeing them love God. If I see them in that place, I'm happy. Does that make sense? And that's the heart of God, and that's the heart of a pastor towards you, and it's the thing that, that for me, I can just die and go to heaven if I knew that you're living your life in a way that you're blameless, that you're living a life where you're able to discern what is best, and you're pure and blameless. You're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If I know you're living your life for Him, and I know that you're loving each other, that blesses my heart so much. But when I hear reports otherwise, it breaks my heart. I remember bragging recently about somebody in our church that I'm just, I'm sitting there wanting to say, man, did you know about so-and-so? And And as I said, do you know about so-and-so? The people I was with said, oh, man, dude, you may, you may, have you looked at their Facebook? And then they began to share with me about what that individual that I was bragging on was posting on Facebook. And so they said, actually, what's being posted on Facebook by them is, is kind of like it's not very glorifying to God. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost like soft pornish, you know. And so what I said to my wife was, I said, I don't want to look at it. You look at it and tell me if I should look at it. And she looked at it and said, 
no, you shouldn't look at it. And y'all want to cry. I mean, like, right now I want to cry. I'm, right now I want to cry. I love that girl, and I'm going like, why wasn't she able to discern what is best? Why is she putting something out there? Why is she, why is she making that decision? Why isn't she able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless and filled with the fruit of righteousness? And I'm going like, God, where have I failed? And so we were going through that situation, and I was just, I was like already wanting to cry. And then, uh, and then one of the people in the group, and I love this group of people. I was with some of my favorite people that I love. I love so much. I mean, I love them like family. And we were talking about this person who had this post. And, and as we were talking about this person who had this post, I was sitting there going, all I could think was somebody reach her, somebody reach her, somebody reach her, somebody love her enough to get in beside her and, 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 and help her to see that what you're doing isn't glorifying God and it's, it's bringing shame to you, it's bringing shame to his kingdom, but some, somebody love her. And, and one of the people there who I've, I've talked to since, and I, I love this gentleman as much as my own children, but he said, you know, I really don't like her. He said, I really hadn't liked, I really don't want much to do with her. And um, when he said that, I went from wanting to cry to like having to not let anybody see me. Like I was crying because I'm thinking, I want you to love each other. You know what I'm saying? I want you to love each other. And if somebody's caught in sin, I want you who are spiritual to restore them gently and not judge them and not hate them and not reject them, but to love them enough to call them out and take the risk of making them mad and doing whatever it takes, but be there for each other and love each other. And, and so I'm hit with this thing, and I'm going, God, I understand the heart of Paul and and I understand your heart, Father, because the heart that you have is, I want to see the people that I love increasing in love. That their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight so that they may be able to discern what is best. I want them to be able to make right choices and godly choices. And I want them to be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And I want them to love each other. I want them to be one in spirit and of one mind. I want them to be striving together. I want them to be picking each other up when they fall. I want them to be speaking encouraging words about each other and helping to move each other on, right? And so if you ask the question right now, and I want you to ask this, this is so important, but right now, if I get a report about you, what is it most likely to be? If right now you were to just hear somebody lean over to you and say, I know that Jeff got a report about you. What would that report be? Would it be, oh man, dag, you, you, I don't think you must not have read their Facebook post yet or seen their Snapchat or Instagram or, or maybe you, you've never heard them at work or you've never heard them at the neighborhood association meeting or you've never heard them in the home where they live when they're talking to their children and their spouses would that report, if I got that report from somebody in your life, would that be a report that would break my heart and break the heart of God and make somebody go like, why? 
What's wrong? What, what hadn't happened that's helped you to be able to discern what's best? And be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Would that report break my heart? Would it break God's heart, that report about you? And if somebody said, there's been a report about us. Like somebody just said, this is how Christ United people feel about each other. Would that report break my heart? Or would that report bring me joy? Would just be, man, I love it. So I remember getting, and I got to tell you, I get lots of reports like this, and it's why I'm a pastor. It's what I love. But I get so many beautiful reports from you and about you. I remember somebody coming up to me, and it was so beautiful, and it was not too long back. And, and he came up to me, and he was said, you got to see this post from this guy. He said, this guy a year ago didn't even know Jesus, and now he's in love with Jesus. And this is what he posted about the guys that he's hanging out with now. And this is what he posted about Jesus. And when I read it, my heart just like leapt. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, God. It's like I wanted to cry, but a different kind of tears. It's like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm watching this young man. His love is abounding more and more in knowledge and depths of insight. And he's discerning what's best. And he's living pure and blameless. And he's filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The dude's life is being radically transformed by Jesus. And everybody sees it. And guess what? I got that report from this person. And then I got that report from another person. By the time I got to person number three, I said, guess what? I've already heard it. <laughs> right? Everybody wanted to share it. Everybody wanted to share. Look at what God's doing in his life. And when he was posting about his friends and about his new brothers and sisters in Christ, he wasn't posting complaints and criticisms and judgments. He was posting things that made you think, I want to be a part of that. Right? And I was going like, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I want to ask you, is there anybody here who would like for that to be the reality? Would you like it to be that if I hear a report about you, whether I come to you personally or I hear about you in, in absence, as Paul was saying, that what I hear about you brings joy. Man, you're bearing the fruit of righteousness. Your love is abounding more and more. You're discerning what's best. You're making wise and godly choices. You're honoring God in your life. And the things that you say about other people in the body of Christ are so good and so edifying and so encouraging. And even if the other people have been sinful, even if the other people have messed up, the way you speak of them shows such depth of love and such compassion and concern for them that people say, that's the kind of body I want to be a part of. And what if there was a way that you could just push a button and you could turn it around today? What, what if there was a way that you could push a button today, you could push a button that could turn it around to where I could turn my whole life around to where the reports about me would be those reports that would bring glory and honor to God and they would bring joy to the heart of my pastor and joy to the hearts of my family. What if you could push a button and turn it around today? And let me ask you this, what if you could push a button and you could turn it around at any moment in any day? What if when everything's going south and all of a sudden I find myself to where it's the Blue Angels? But anyway, um, <laughs> but, but what if all of a sudden, what if, what if all of a sudden I could just turn that moment around. Everything's going south in my family or everything's going south in a conversation that all of a sudden I find myself in a place where we're speaking things about people that I really don't feel comfortable speaking. Or I'm in a place where, where there's anger that's rising or tension that's going and I just feel that sense that it's not going where I want it to go. What if you could just turn it around 
And all of a sudden, you could be in a different place. Well, I want to tell you there's an answer to that. And it starts, and it's so beautiful, it starts in chapter 2, verse 2. All right? I mean, verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3 of the book of Philippians. After he said, this is my heart's desire for you, this is what I want you to do, I want you to be one, I want you to be bringing glory and honor to God. And then he says this powerful statement. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others or value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but rather each of you to the interest of the others. Now, I want you to see what he's saying. Now, watch this. This will change everything. It is the fundamental change that you can, you push one button and you totally turn your life around. You push one button and you totally turn any moment around. He's saying if you will get your focus off of you and get your focus onto him and onto others, it will turn everything around. I want to tell you the problem. Here's the reason why. Y'all, please tune into this. Here's the reason why there may be negative reports coming about you and your life. And here's why there may be negative reports that come about you and how you spoke of and spoke to other people within the body of Christ. Here's why there may be negative reports about your family or your work relationships, everything else. Here's the only reason is that you and I are sinful in our nature. And our sinful nature is to think about us. I want to tell you that you are wired to be self-focused. This is how I'm wired. Think about me. That is what we call the flesh. Sometimes translated, it's the word sarx in Greek. It's, it's translated flesh. The New International Version for a long time translated it sinful nature. It's my nature. It's to think about me. It's what animals do. I protect me. I get mine. It's just that biological, natural tendency that I'm going to think about me. So I'm always focused on me. I am by nature, please hear this, by nature I am self-centered. By nature, I am the center of the universe. Everything goes back to me. Wherever I am, that's what matters. It's about me. I am self-centered by nature. I am also self-absorbed by nature, right? By nature, I am focused on me. I am concerned about me. By nature, I am self-conscious. Have you ever been self-conscious? It's like, by nature, I'm constantly thinking about me and what do I look like and how are people responding to me? I am self-conscious by nature. I am self-serving by nature. It is by nature that I am thinking about me and I'm looking to what's going to make the difference for me. I'm going to get mine. I am self-serving by nature. Make sense? So our sinful nature is to be focused on self You've ever heard of a selfie, right? Selfie has gone from something that was not a word when I was in college. It wasn't a word to where now it's a movement, right? But all it did was bring to the visual what's always been there in the spiritual and the emotional and relational is we are focused on self. And being focused on self is why somebody will post a picture and all they'll think is, is man, I look hot. <laughs> right? But I don't think about what that does to the wife who doesn't feel real hot right now whose husband is looking at it. I don't think about them. All I'm thinking about is thinking me. Does it make me feel good? 
Does it get people admiring me? Every decision that we make that is self-focused, self-centered, self-conscious, those decisions are the ones that lead us into places where we do things that don't honor God. All I care about is defending my position. All I care about is winning my argument. All I care about is whether I get mine. And so it's not only the reason that people post certain things that they shouldn't post in terms of pictures or statements or whatever they do, but it's the reason you make comments that you make and do things that you do. In fact, it's the very reason focusing on yourself is the reason that sometimes you don't do things like talk to other people and love other people and be kind to other people because you're so self-conscious that you're afraid you'll be embarrassed. And so you walk around church and you're one of those people who say, nobody talked to me. Right? Have you ever thought about the idiocy of that comment? Nobody talked to me. Well, who were you talking to? You know what I'm saying? Who were you talking to? Am I so self-conscious and self-absorbed and so into me that I'm walking around thinking, oh, yeah, she didn't talk, he didn't talk, they didn't talk, they didn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are you? Can I get out of me and get into the fact that there are lots of other people around that need love? There are lots of other people around that need somebody to speak into them, encourage them, and care about them. But I promise you, if I'm self-absorbed and self-conscious and self-serving, then what's going to happen is all I care about is me in that environment. And so I'm never going to step outside of me unless I'm stepping out so I can look good, unless I'm stepping out so people can give me accolades. And God's saying, I want to shift this. I want to change you from a focus on yourself to a focus on others. And most of us in our relationship with God, guess where our focus is? Right here. God, I want you to help me do this. God, I need you to help me do this. God, why don't you, why didn't you do this for me? And I'm looking at that precious little Hillary and she's saying, I want to reaffirm my faith in God on the day of the birth of my child who lived 10 days. Yeah. And how does somebody, how does somebody live a life like that? I'll tell you how. It's not here, it's here. It's like I got to get my focus off of me. And I got to get my focus on to him. And so if I were to just get out of me and stop thinking about self and selfie and selfish and self-centered and self-conscious and self and I were to get my focus on him to be Christ-centered, to be focused on them, to be other-centered and other-conscious and be, God, I'm just going to get my focus. I'm going to turn it around. How many of you have a cell phone? For once in church, you're going to be told, pull out your cell phone. You're going to love this, all right? I want you all to try it. How many people, raise your hand if you have a cell phone. How many of you have a phone that has a, a camera on it? Raise your hand. Hot dog, a lot of you, all right. If you don't, I'm going to give you an alternative, all right? I'll give you an alternative. But if you've got a camera that's got, I mean, a, a, a cell phone that's got a camera on it, open it up right now. Still leave it on silent. Don't want to be bothered. But here, here we go. And I want you to pull up your camera. Who's pulled up your camera? All right, once you get your camera, hurry up, pull up your camera. And once you get your camera on, everybody get your camera on, quick as you can. And I know those of you who were good and had your phones off, it's going to take you longer, right? All right? All right, who's got their camera out? Raise your hand. All right, we're getting there. All right. Now, I want you, now I, I know how to do this on iPhone because I've got an iPhone. On the iPhone, there's a picture of a little camera and it's got little arrows that are like in a circle shape. 
And that turns it around. You got two little cameras on your phone. One of them focuses on you, and the other one focuses on other people. Do y'all know that? You know, all right. So if I press that little button, I can get it where it focuses on me. Would y'all do that? Press your little button and get your focus on you. You ready? Do it. I want you to get your focus on you and not the person beside you, just you. <laughs> just you. I want you to get your focus on you. You ready? All right, get your focus on you. You ready? All right, now, with that focus on you, I want you to just get focused on you and look at that, and I want to ask you what you think about right now. With the focus on me, I look at this and I go like, I look like a skeleton, man. I can't even see my eyeballs, you know? Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, I'm not really liking me much, you know? I'm like, dude, I thought I looked better than that, right? All right, now watch. You're looking at yourself, and you got the selfie mode on, all right? Now, I want you to do something. I just want you to hit your button, whatever you do. On mine, it's hitting a little button with little arrows on it. This is the camera picture. If you're on uh, like a, an Android, it may be something different. Now, wait a minute. If you don't have a phone, here's what you do. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. If you don't have a phone, close your eyes and picture you. Just picture you. You, you got dressed this morning. You saw yourself. Picture you. <laughs> and so as you picture you, you just picture you. That's all. Just look at you. And y'all look at your selfie. You ready? Got yourself. What are you thinking about? Now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hit your button. And when you hit your button, the one that turns it around and gets the other focus, I'm going to ask you to hit the button that turns it around and gets it focused away from you on other people. And if you're closing your eyes and thinking about you right now, I just want you to open your eyes. One, two, three, switch. Now just start looking around. Just start looking around. Just start looking around. Now, if you don't have a cell phone, your eyes should be open. You should be looking around. Just look around. Just look around. Okay, look around. Man, from where I am, it's really cool. But look around. <laughs> look around. All right, y'all ready? We're going to switch back. And you don't, who don't have phones, just close your eyes and think about you again. Switch back. <laughs> now you're on you again, right? What you thinking about? All right. On the count of three, open your eyes and switch back to other mode. Switch. Now start looking around. I want to tell you that that one fundamental shift is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Turn it around. Focus on them, not on you. I want you to try something. Get your cell phone out. And again, if you don't have a cell phone, I just want you to look at this cross up here. Y'all ready? And I want you to get your phone focused on the cross. It's going to be so much fun. All right, get your phone focused on the cross. And if you don't have a phone, just look at the cross. Y'all looking at the cross? You ready? Look at it. Isn't it beautiful through your phone? Hey, do that thing. You know how you can focus in? You can like, like, like if you have an iPhone, you can focus in on that cross real good. Y'all doing that? Everybody got it? Snap a picture of it. That'd be cool. Snap a picture. All right. But look, now I just want you, while you're looking at that, hit that little button that focuses on you. Is that awful or what? Right? Now, if you're a person who's had your eyes closed thinking about you, open them up and look at the cross. Now close them again and think about you. Now let's go back to the cross. Go. Go back to the cross. Focus on him. Be centered on him. 
Open your eyes and look if you don't have a phone. Now close your eyes and think about you. Turn your phone around to where it focuses on you. Now I just want to say this, guys. I want to say, I pray to God that you never, ever forget this in your whole life. I pray there will be a little picture of a phone with a little circle on it that will never leave the impression of your mind because in any moment, at any time, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, no matter where you are, if you begin to recognize that I'm becoming self-centered, self-conscious, self-focused. Now all I can think about, I'm back in junior high school where I walk into a room and all I'm thinking is, is my zipper up and my, you know, everybody's looking at me, right? Anytime you're in that place where you just say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the button that says this is not about me, it's about them. I'm not worried about who's not talking to me. I'm worried about who out there needs to be talked to. I'm not worried about what people think about me. I'm thinking about what does this person think about them right now. I'm not worried about how's it going to look when I post this on Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook. I'm thinking about well, how this is going to impact the people that I'm sending it out to. And how are my actions going to impact the people, the people that I love and maybe even the people I don't even know. But God, I want to stop being self-focused I want to stop being self-centered. I want to be Christ-centered. I just want to look, I want to look to you, Jesus. That's what I want my focus and my eyes to be on you. And then when I start to get self-conscious and self-centered and self-focused, I want to say, no, God, I want to get it turned around and I want to start looking and thinking about the people around me. He said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was God, but he said, I'm not using that to my own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus said, look, I'm going to be about them. I'm going to be about, I could be about me, and I could be using this power for my own glory. I could be using, you can be using your beauty so you can get likes on your posts. You can be using your intelligence so you can win your arguments. You can be using the resources that God gave you to puff up your own image and who you are and to be full of yourself. But this passage says that Jesus literally, it says, emptied himself and said, I became nothing because what I cared about was what would bring glory to the Father and what's going to do good for those who are around me, right? And God's saying, that's the attitude that you need to have. He goes on to say, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus humbled himself, God lifted him up, and he made him the name that is above every name. And today is going to be a day that many people in this room, for the first time in your life, you're going to get off of you and you're going to get onto him and you're going to say, he's the one that is the name that's above every name. He is Lord and he's Lord of my life. And I'm going to ask that the Lord of my life start getting my focus off of me and onto him and his purposes and onto the people around me. I'm going to stop being self-centered. I'm going to stop being self-conscious. I'm going to be stop being self-serving. I'm going to start serving him and loving him and honoring him and serving and loving and honoring and caring about the people around me. I'm going to hit the button.
today. Today, I'm going to hit that button. And every single time God makes me aware that I'm getting back on self, I'm going to hit that button again. I, every day, if I have to do it 10 times a day, I'm going to remind myself, turn it back around. Put the focus where the focus needs to be. And so he says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul was saying, come on, guys, Jesus saved you, but he didn't save you so you could go on and sin. He saved you so that you could be different, so that you could be, be blameless and holy, so that you could be righteous, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You were saved by Jesus, not just from the guilt of sin, but from the power of sin. He wants you to work this out and be who he's called you to be. He wants your love to abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight so that you may be able to discern what's best. He wants you to have good reports that come out of your life. He wants people to say things like, man, you got to see what they said. Did you see what they've done? He wants you to bring him glory. Continue to work out your salvation knowing that he has saved you for a purpose that he would be glorified in your life and that you would be brought together with a body of believers. And that body of believers you would love so deeply and so purely and so beautifully that everybody in the world would want to be a part of it. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another by this Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's saying, man, I saved you for so much more. And then he says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You wonder how in the world somebody can be other-focused? How can somebody actually get their eyes from here to here, from here to here? It's him. The very same Spirit, alive in Jesus, the Son of the living God, He said, I want to come and live in your heart, and I want to get you focused on loving people like I love people, seeing people like I see people. I want you to never again be in selfie mode. I want you to turn it around, and by my Holy Spirit in you, I want to get you loving like I love, filled with the fruit of righteousness, to the glory and praise of God. Lord God, would you do something for us today? Would you allow us this day, this day, this day, today, to hit that button that turns everything around? And Lord, every day, any day that we become conscious of our self-consciousness, that we become conscious of our self-centeredness, that we become conscious of our self-serving attitudes and spirits, Lord God, remind us that we might turn it around again and be centered on you and on the people around us. In Jesus' name. So listen, you're going to solidify this like you've never solidified anything in your whole life. It costs you about, unless you get a plan that gets you a phone cheap, it's going to cost you about $700 to get one of those fancy little phones. This costs the life of a perfect, righteous, holy, loving son of the living God. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread of the Passover meal and broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant that's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Y'all, would you not look at the, at the praise team for a second? I want you to look at me because this is extremely important. 
Just please pay attention. Y'all remember when I was describing in the beginning about how I heard this report about this precious person that I love so much, and that report just literally brought tears. It literally broke my heart. I want you to think about the son of the living God who went to a cross and bled and died for that precious girl. And I want you to wonder what it does to his heart when he looks and says, Baby, what are you doing? What are you doing? And when he says to you, when you make your political comments on social media or you pop off at your family or you say those things at work, imagine just Jesus saying, What are you doing? I did not die for that. I died to pay the price to get rid of that. I died that you might be forgiven for that. I died that you might be changed from that. So as you come and you receive a piece of the bread and you dip it into the cup and you remember the price that he paid, you remember that he paid that price so that you, as Paul was praying, might abound more and more and knowledge and depths of insight that you may be able to discern what's best and be pure and blameless, right? That your love may abound more and more. So who here would come to him today saying, Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me for the reports you've had to hear about me, right? And the Bible also says that just as there is one loaf, we're one body. And I told y'all that it brought tears to my eyes when a precious person that I love said, I don't even like that person imagine what it does to the son of the living God he loves that baby like I love my daughters and imagine what it does when one of his other children says oh they aren't worth the time they just aren't worth the time who here would come to God today and take a piece of that bread and dip it in a cup and say Jesus Jesus I don't ever want to break your heart by what I say or think about anybody else ever again. God, I want to be filled with love. Amen to that? Anybody here feel like this might be a turning point for you? Now, I want to tell you something. Unless you've got major bladder control issues, don't leave this room. Stay here. We're going to be in here, and we're going to be sharing communion. The ushers are going to usher you to different places around here. And as you dip the bread into the cup and you eat it, I want you in that moment to let him turn that switch in you. And turn your whole focus in a different direction. Now and forever. Now and forever. And then you stay in here and you worship him and you love him with your brothers and sisters. And we're going to end this service today in such a beautiful way. And after that, we're going to go out and eat from food trucks. It's going to be fun. Lord God, would you let this be for us the body and the blood of your son? And would you let this be truly that moment that turns some of our lives around forever? In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at Christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.